Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here with us, that you dwell within us and among us. We acknowledge you as the only king in the room. God, I ask that today we would experience you more, that we would see you deeper for who you are, heighten our senses so that we could hear you, let us see you, let us recognize your presence. God, I ask that today our hearts would be able to be penetrated by your word. God, that you would soften us to where we could be moldable to what it is that you ask of us, what it is that you tell us. God, I ask that our hearts be right before you, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Be the center and let everything we do flow from a relationship with you, flow from the conviction that you, Jesus, are Lord and the only one. We acknowledge you for who you are, and we are honored to stand in your presence, that you would be pleased with our praises, and we love you so much, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Sanctuary. Um, before we begin, can we just give it up for our band and our worship team one more time? My name is Tara, and I'm honored to be with you guys this morning. <clears throat> um, I have the absolute privilege and honor of serving here at Sanctuary. Um, I get to serve our youth here. Our youth ministry is called Mosaic, and we serve fifth grade through 12th grade. And I'm absolutely honored to be here with you guys today. Um, family ministry is in a really crazy and amazing season right now, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, we are in the middle of a Royal Hood director search so right now we are interviewing and we are getting that application out there. Um, so please just continue to be in prayer for us as we try to find the person who's going to lead our children's ministry. Royal Hood is so important to us. It is a huge ministry and it is so important to who we are here at Sanctuary. Um, and so we are prayerful and uh, we are doing our absolute best to bring you that person and bring it before you that they would be able to serve our young people. So please keep that on your radar. Know that it's definitely on ours um, and we're prayerful about that. Um, also, too, I don't know how many of you know this, but Mosaic is expanding, and it's getting bigger. Yes, so because of that, we are adding a second middle school Mosaic service starting April 5th. So when we first came to this building, we had one middle school mosaic service that happened at the 11 a.m. If you come here mostly, you wouldn't know that at the 9 a.m. we don't have that, but we are outgrowing that room. So on April 5th, we are having two mosaic services for middle school, and we are more than excited. So please keep that on your radar, and we are grateful for the increase in the ways that God is growing this ministry. Um, so be praying for us as we transition into that. Also, too, at this very moment in time, we have some high school students doing some incredible things. And one in particular, one of our students, Aliana Dixon, she is actually in the Mosaic Room right now giving the message to our middle school students. So she's one of our seniors. Mm -hmm. 
and she is for the very first time bringing the word to our young people. So if you can just remember her in prayer, um, she's not the kind of kid who just wants all the attention. So maybe just give her just a little like, I see you type of dap, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing if you run into her. Um, but we are so proud of her and so proud of the ways that God is using our young people here at Sanctuary. One thing that we say in Mosaic is we say root to fruit. So we want to be there in those moments with them when they first plant those very first seeds of faith and then walk with them throughout life um, to where they start to grow that fruit and see the evidence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus transforming their lives. So this is huge for us to be able to see the ways that God has transformed our students. Um, so please keep that in prayer. It has been a busy season in Mosaic. We just got back from winter camp last week, and y'all, it was cold. You can tell by Kat's face right there, y'all. We were outside. Man, there, I'm, this snow was like in the, you know, it's, we've had some weird weather. So it's like not all the way solid, but also kind of like fluffy. So we would be all standing on the snow and all of a sudden just like sink five feet down because we didn't know like it wasn't, you know, very solid. So we had, it, it was a lot, y'all. But we made it and we are back. And then also too, this last week was wild because we went to Sky Zone with our students. And y'all, students love Sky Zone. I'm telling you, I don't know how they have that energy, but it's great for those students who just need to run and to jump. I don't even, I don't understand, but they were, it was a lot of running and a lot of jumping. So it was a great time. Um, but even more than that, although we've had a busy season, even still, one of our most important seasons in youth ministry is coming up and one that we value here at Sanctuary that we really take so much time and effort to invest in. And that's two things. First, that's our Young Hero Scholarship, where we get to bless our seniors um, for, for them and also to the seniors in this community. And so we're beginning to hand out that scholarship to students. We want to say, you know, we encourage you. We are investing in you guys as leaders. Not only do we just invest in other endeavors, but we also invest in the leaders right here in North Minneapolis and in Sanctuary. Um, and so then also, too, we see other ways for our students to be developed in their leadership. And that's camp coming up in the summertime. So in the next few weeks, you're going to be seeing some ways that we want to encourage you guys to partner with us to be able to get our kids to camp. It is pivotal for them and such an incredible way to grow our students in leadership. So um, just keep that on your radar. Keep it in prayer because we're going to begin gearing up to get um, ready to hand out that scholarship and also bring our kids to camp. So we are going to get into the message, but I just wanted to update you guys on some of the incredible ways that we are seeing God move in mosaic. So we have a quick um, three-minute video for you guys to preface the message. So please go ahead and direct your attention to the screen behind me. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now, the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now, Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, 
because, she says, the Lord has shamad, that I am unloved. So shema means to hear and to pay attention to, and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27, verse 7. Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word Shema. So that video was created by um, the Bible Project. If you guys are familiar with them, they do an incredible job at breaking down lots of Hebrew and Greek words in the Bible and also some uh, Bible stories. They just do such a great way at adding visuals to it. Um, and so if you want to check out more, they got a lot of stuff going on, on their YouTube channel, so go ahead and check that out. Um, but right now here at Sanctuary, um, and not just Sanctuary, but actually our denomination as a whole, we are in um, a series called Bless, which is rolled out by our denomination. Um, and it encourages us to take a closer look at evangelism and the ways that we can be used by God within our own community. So um, here right now, and in Royalhood and in Mosaic, we are all looking at this same message today. So I encourage you guys when you get home or on your way home to talk about it with uh, maybe your children or um, if you have a relationship with some of the Mosaic students, go ahead and talk about it with them because um, we're all learning this together. So throughout this series, um, we're going to be looking at five missional practices that we can use to share the gospel with our neighbors. So last week, Pastor Edrin opened up the series, and he talked about beginning with prayer and how important that is um, in our journey towards evangelism and sharing the gospel with the people right here within our own community. Um, so this morning, what I'm going to be talking about is listening and what that really means and how we listen with care. Listening is a huge part um, of evangelism and how we can be effective in this work here in North Minneapolis. So um, that's what we'll be getting into today. Now, I do know and I am aware I do not have that much time today, um, mostly because it's already 12.15, but also because the weather is so nice. I know I only got y'all for a second. So I am going to take heed and listen to some great advice that I got through this past week and the advice that I got from one of our great staff members was Tara, cut to the chase. And so 
That's what I'm gonna try to do today. It's, it's hard for me, but I'm gonna do my best to cut to the chase. Um, so there's three things that stuck out to me um, in watching that video and in discovering what it really means to listen. And those three things are um, effort and action. It takes so much effort and action when you really desire to listen. The second thing is listen and respond. So listening isn't just what you hear, but what you then do with that information. And the last thing is to listen and obey. When we listen to God, we gain wisdom, we gain instruction, and to obey. So listening does not mean just to hear, but it's much more than just taking in information. So we're going to start with effort and action. There's just a few practical things that we can do to actually listen with effort. And the first thing that we have to do when it comes to listening is we have to humble ourselves. When you listen to something, I think what we have to understand is that you are not doing someone else a favor. Listening to someone is not a favor that you are doing for them. And my goal this morning is to help us shift our mindset to what listening really is. So to shift our mindset from a place um, that says, you're welcome for sitting here and listening to you. Yes, you're welcome. I'm, I'm doing this for you. This is a, a great service to you. So shifting from that mindset to one that says, thank you for sharing with me. I'm honored to hear your story. Because I think we all know that no one really owes us anything. No one really owes us any information. They don't owe us their story. They don't owe us their struggles. It is an honor to be able to sit and to be able to learn from someone. The reason why it's an honor is this. is because when we are committed to listening to someone, once we listen and understand who they are, we gain a deep level of understanding. And we know that once we gain understanding, we gain wisdom. So listening to people is such a humbling position because it adds so much enrichment to our own lives and it helps us become more wise. And people don't owe us that. And so we need to see listening as the honor that it is for us and to hear what someone else has to share with you. Um, so we want to shift that mindset. The second thing is that listening means that you are validating that person's experience. And validation is such a deep part of listening with care. Validation says if it's important to you, it's important. Not just if it's important to you, it's important to me. But if it's important to you, it's important. This is a godly characteristic. Now, I think that sometimes we can look at these messages throughout scripture and we wonder like, well, where is listening at? Where do we see prophets listening? And where do we see, you know, Jesus listening? And it's in there, but some of these messages that we can bring to you guys have to do more with godly characteristic and principle and the practical things that we can do to show the love of Jesus to someone else. And one of those things that we can do is truly listening. And when you listen and validate, you're not basing someone else's experience, you're not basing their worth on what you know to be true. But you're listening and you're understanding. And validation is so important. So this morning, it's more of a character check. It's more of the thought of, do you listen to people? Do you have the time to sit and understand what it is that someone is saying to you? Or are you rushed? Do people feel like they are bothering you or annoying you when they're telling you something? It's a character check to see if we truly do want to be effective in this community and in our lives and show the character of Christ, but people can't even get a second with us. What does that communicate? I want to ask you, are you kind? Are you easy to talk to? Are you gentle? Are you patient? Are you loving? 
Can people talk to you without feeling judged? Do you validate or do you dismiss the feelings of those around you? And the next thing is to not assume that you already know what someone is going to say. Let's look at Luke 18. Luke 18, um, we'll start at verse 35. Luke 18, 35 through 43, and it says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they too praised God. So Jesus saw a blind man. He saw a man that was poor. He came to him and he said, what is it that you want me to do for you? And the man said, I want to see. So what I start to think is that Jesus, knowing everything, knowing the condition of this man, knowing everyone around him, creating this man, knowing he was blind and poor, still asked him, what is it that you want me to do? And when we don't assume, we empower that person to speak out what's needed, but we also don't assume that we already know what that person needs. Sometimes we think we know, so we don't ask. We say, you know what, based on what I see here, I have all the information I need, therefore I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z without asking. And that's not a humble response. That's not listening with care. This past week, um, some staff members, and, and we all went to this um, panel, and we learned from some um, really awesome leaders and got to hear a lot of people talk about some really good community empowerment things. There was one man who shared a story, and him and some other leaders were, um, they were invested in community development. So they had all these plans of what they were going to do to this community. They were going to implement this plan. They were going to implement that plan. They were going to raise all this money and create these programs and everything. So once they did all that, they went to the community and said, these are all these things that we have for you. Isn't this great? We are going to change your community. And the members of that community said, wait, no, we, we just wanted a stop sign. And he said, what? So yeah, we want a stop sign because people in our neighborhood drive too fast and we've had kids on bikes getting hurt. And we've had people being run over. All we really needed was a stop sign. But they had all these other plans of all these great ways they were going to invest in this community and empower this community that really just wanted a stop sign. But how many times have we seen that? Have we seen people decide what a community needs, not talk to anyone, go into that community and try to implement those things? So what ends up happening is without that education, you end up further damaging that community or you duplicate something that's already been done. We need to ask more questions and listen because you don't know. And I think we all know what it can feel like to feel that like someone has assumed something about you. And there's an experience that I have all the time and I have such a hard time understanding it. But a lot of times when I go into um, a church service or a worship service or something like that that's not here at Sanctuary, people always try to come up to me and ask if I want to give my life to Christ. It happens all the time. So people are like, hello, ma'am, can I pray for you? Um, I, I just feel like God wants to like, do something in your life, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Do you want to give your life to him? And I'm like, 
what about me communicated to you that I didn't know Jesus? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. And I can make inferences, but I'm going to leave that for another message. But if there's something that I'm not doing to, like, my appearance is saying that I don't love Jesus, I don't know what it is. I mean, my tattoos, you can barely even see them. Y'all probably don't even know where they are. I don't know what it is. But there are so many assumptions, and those assumptions hurt. And so we have to do better at asking questions and, and, and not just, we don't have to be the Holy Spirit and just know what someone needs. Ask. If someone's saying, can I get prayer? It's okay to say, yes, what can I pray for you for? You don't have to be like, Holy Spirit, tell me, tell me, tell me. Just ask. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I'm getting off, I'm getting on tangent now. That was my own issue, my bad. Okay. And then the next thing, once we put in these, we can implement these things, the next thing to do is to listen and to respond. And we listen to two things. First, we listen to the individual. But then next, we listen to the collective voice. What are the collective voices saying? So one of my greatest experiences with someone truly listening to me as an individual was I was young, a teenager, and I was talking to my mentor about something that I'm sure was not important. And I went on and on and on about this crisis. And as soon as I stopped talking, she looked at me and she said, dang, Tara. And I was like, oh no, what is she going to say? And she looks at me and she goes, that sucks. For, that's what she said. And in that moment, I felt so validated because I'm like, you heard me and you know that's how it feels to me and you validated it. And so can we like sit with people and listen and understand, man, that's really, really hard. And I don't know what I would do if I were in your situation. I'm just going to acknowledge that that's really hard and that's so important. Proverbs 18, 13 says this. It says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Now, there's another translation of this verse that I just couldn't bring myself to put up on the screen, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says this. It says, it is both stupid and embarrassing to give an answer before listening. That's that, that, that's that other translation. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones that's like the message, something, something. I don't know. But it says, it is both stupid and embarrassing to give an answer before you've listened. Now, I know when people have not listened to me because they have an answer to a problem I didn't even finish explaining yet. There's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it says, there's a kind of listening with half an ear that, presume, that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient and attentive listening, and it's only waiting for a chance to speak. Thus, get rid of the other person. Now, I was called out pretty heavily the other day. Um, my husband and I were with some friends, and afterwards when we left, let me just point that out, when we left, he called me out. That's for somebody, I don't know. So when, <laughs> so when we left, he goes, Tara, you all, when, anytime someone tells you a story, you always follow up with a story about yourself. Oh, y'all, that crushed me. My whole soul, I was just crushed. So of course, I was like, no, I don't. So of course, I do not do that. I do not talk about myself after someone has talked about themselves. He said, yes, you do. And y'all, that crushed my little soul, I'm telling you. Because I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just looking for a way to relate to people. I like to, to understand people and for them to understand me. I want to be understood. I want us to, like, you know, further relate. And then he's like, yeah, but it's just not about you, though. Like, it's about that person. And so, y'all, if I've done that to anyone in this room, I'm sorry. Y'all know me. Y'all know my heart. Thank you for the grace. But it's just such a, a practical way to know, like, do I have to include myself in every conversation? 
Do I have to insert Tara and Tara's stories in every situation? When it's not about me, it's about you. So instead of inserting what I have to say, I can ask you questions to further understand you. So after we listen to the individual, we also listen to the collective. Now I believe that we have a unique responsibility as the body of Christ, but also here at Sanctuary to listen to the voice of the collective. What is the collective voice here in North Minneapolis shouting out? What are the cries of injustice that we hear here in North Minneapolis? What are the celebrations that this community is offering up? We have the responsibility as the body of Christ to listen to the collective voices. Now, in order to do that, you have to have some type of experience. Now, experience really does matter. I think some of us want to forfeit experience for education, but that's not an equal trade-off. We can't just be educated in something and not truly experience the people that we're learning about or the neighborhoods or the situations. Your education doesn't trump your understanding of people. That's why listening is important. That's why Nehemiah surveyed the city. He observed, he listened to the people. He heard, he watched, he prayed, he waited. He didn't just jump in and say, this is what I'm going to do, X, Y, and Z, move, move, move. He waited. And he heard the Lord and said, what is the vision that you have for these people? How can we rebuild this wall? But in order to have experience, proximity matters too. You can't experience without proximity, but technology has kind of made a way for us to be able to look at a screen and think that we understand what's going on, to think that we can look at a certain thing or a certain survey or a certain type of people, and then we understand them. But that's just not the case. I remember a few years back when Mike Brown was brutally murdered in the streets of Ferguson, and I saw some things on the news. But my husband's family is from St. Louis, so shortly after that, we went down there, and we drove through Ferguson and got to see and experience things. And let me just tell you, it was not like the news portrayed it to be. And so I even then have a limited experience, because I saw, but I didn't really hear. I wasn't like you know, the other church members that were on the streets listening to people, asking them questions, asking them what they needed, what would be helpful. But when we don't ask people what we need, we think that we are experts of their situation. You are not an expert of a situation you haven't been through. But I believe that this is a responsibility of us here at Sanctuary, that now, praise God, that it's getting a little bit warmer out. We can be outside and we can understand more and deeper. What does this community need? What is our place here? What is my place here as a North Side member? This is my community. This is our community. What do we need together? So we have experience. We have proximity. And then once we know those things and have those things, then we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility not just to listen, but then to respond. That's right. Listening is more than just knowing the issues, but also taking that information and acting upon it. And then the last thing before I close is that after we have all those things, we listen and we obey God. Now, anyone can listen. Anyone can take these practical tips and become a better friend or a better, better community member. But the difference is that after we've listened and after we understand, we ask God, what do we do? Or maybe you do that before. God, what do you do? And then he instructs you to go listen to someone else. But we have a responsibility. And I believe there's a difference because we serve a God who already knows and who already hears. We can obtain this godly wisdom that has infinite knowledge and visibility. I don't want us to forget who we're partnering with. 
we hear from the one who's heard. So I'm going to close us this morning. But I want to ask us, what part do we play? I'm going to have the worship team um, come up. I will dismiss us, and the worship team can play if you guys um, want to stay back and pray um, and, and talk with someone. You are totally more than welcome to do that. But I want to close us with this, with a few questions that you can take home and some things that you can be thinking about. The first one is, what part do you play? What have you heard? What do you know that you can then pray about and ask God, what is my part in this? What actions in your life are a result of something that you've heard and listened to? What are those rhythms in your life? What are those things in your life that are a direct result to what you've heard? And now this morning, I'm personally challenged. I'm challenged because I've heard the needs of our young people. And now that I know, I got to do. So what does that mean for us? I've heard the needs of our local Northside schools. When we ask them, what is it that you need? And we pray, God, how can we meet those needs? So I'm challenged this morning to pray and to act. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God who has listened. You are the God that's heard. And God, I just ask that we would be able to be like you and have those godly characteristics. God, I ask that you would teach us to be patient, that you would teach us to stop, that you would teach us to stop for those who need to be heard. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who needs to be listened to, God, I ask that you would teach us. God, I ask that you would bring the right person to come and be that listening ear. God, I pray that we would see other people as more important than ourselves, that we wouldn't exalt ourselves over other people, that we would, we would not exalt our needs over other people. God, help us to take care of each other. God, I ask that this morning as we go about our separate ways, that we would go with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing who's on our side, knowing the infinite wisdom and visibility that you have. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us more and more, that we would truly come to know you deeper. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you guys to stand in worship um, or go ahead and get to your daily activities. Bless you, sanctuary. Have an incredible week, and we'll see you guys next week.